0: So I have a theory that in the same way most people have a dominant hand for writing, that many people may also have a dominant sense that they connect with. You know, a photographer would have a good eye, a chef has a good keen sense of taste, and a seamstress has an adept sense of touch, right? being able to sew without even looking. In fact, Caitlin and I have a friend who is blind, but she makes the most wonderful hats and scarves and blankets. So what is it for you, do you think? Do you have a dominant sense that you connect with? You know, when you walk into a room, what is the first thing that you notice? Is it the way that the room looks, the way that it feels, the way that it smells? For me, The first thing I always notice is the sound. Now, I've always been deeply connected to my sense of hearing ever since I was young. I grew up singing in a choir and taking piano lessons. As a kid, I used to sit at the piano and just play for hours. Sometimes I would even lay my head down against the piano so I could not only hear it, but really feel it, right? And as a teenager, When a band I liked would come out with a new album, I would grab my CD player and my headphones and lay down in my bed, turn off the light, and listen through the entire album all at once. I loved music and I loved listening. But even beyond music, there are other ways that I connect to the sense of hearing. For example, in grad school, there was this one classroom that most people always felt kind of anxious about when they were inside of it, and a part of the reason might be that this classroom didn't have any windows and the lighting wasn't all that good. But one day, I remember sitting in there and hearing the air vent come on, right? And, and after listening to it for a while, I noticed that the airflow made the faint sound of an A minor diminished chord. Now, if you're a musical person, then you know exactly why that room caused anxiety. And if you're not a musical person, all you need to know is that a minor chord sounds sad and a diminished chord sounds bad and so put those two together and you have got an air vent producing the soundtrack of anxiety right that is the sound of that room or or here's another story last week i mentioned a time when caitlin came over to my apartment and was overwhelmed by the smell of the dinner i had had earlier well another time we went out for dinner and I remember walking into the restaurant and immediately being overwhelmed by all the sound in there. You know, it was, it was all one big room, basically, with a tall metal ceiling. So everything just echoed all over the place. The music was blaring, people were talking, and there was all the clinking of silverware and dishes. And all of that noise just echoed around everywhere. It was really overwhelming. Uh, and so we ended up going down the block to Panera, where we ate at a nice quiet table outside. But for me, you know, sound not only has the ability to provoke anxiety, like that, it also has the ability to bring incredible peace and presence. I mean, there is nothing more centering for me than to just close my eyes and simply listen to the sounds that are around me. Throughout this stay at home season, I've enjoyed just how quiet the road noise outside of our house can be sometimes. And I've loved hearing the sound of birdsong in the early morning hours as we've entered into springtime. Something about slowing down to listen really helps me to be present. This is even true when we're out on walks, right? I'm always paying attention to the sounds that are around us, the blowing wind, the chirping birds, even the crunch of gravel under our feet. I love that sound. And this is why I love the song that we just sang. This is my father's world and to my listening ear, all nature sings and round me rings the music of the spheres. I want to ask you, when was the last time you slowed down enough to listen to the music of the spheres? To really listen to the wind through the trees, or the pitter-patter of raindrops. You see, this music is playing all the time. And though we can't help but hear it, we are not always listening. This is true of the music of the spheres, but it's also true of the voice of God. As the song goes on to say, in the rustling grass, I hear him pass. He speaks to me everywhere. Our God is a God who speaks. And though we don't always listen, he is always speaking. This was true in the very beginning, right? And, and it's interesting, the sense of hearing was the very first sense engaged In the Bible, in Genesis 1, it says the earth was formless and void. So there was nothing to touch, taste, or smell. And it also says that darkness covered the face of the deep. So there was nothing to see either. And before light entered, God speaks. Let there be light. And throughout creation, it is only after hearing the sound of God's voice, that the rest of the senses burst into existence, sight with light, touch with the water and the land, taste and scent with fruits and flowers. All of these come after hearing God speak. But God is not only a God who speaks, He is also a God who listens. If the first book of the Bible opens with God's voice, then the second book of the Bible opens with God's ear. The nation of Israel had flourished in the land of Egypt, but was eventually enslaved and forced into hard labor by the powerful Egyptians. And in Exodus 2, verse 23, it says, the Israelites groaned under their slavery and cried out Out of the slavery, their cry for help rose up to God, and God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And this leads to the great story of their deliverance from Egypt through the wilderness and ultimately into the promised land. So the first book of the Bible begins with God speaking, the second book of the Bible begins with God listening, and the rest of Scripture is a record of that great conversation between God and His people, speaking, listening, and responding. From the voice of God atop Mount Sinai, to the sound of His people in the Psalms. And this story continues. On into the New Testament. And that's what I want to look at together today. So open up your Bible, if you have it, to the Gospel of Matthew. All right, the Gospel of Matthew. Today, I want to consider this theme of hearing and and listening in Jesus' life and ministry. And we're going to trace this out throughout the Gospel of Matthew. All right, so let's pray and then we're going to dig on in. Oh, Lord. Thank you for your word. Thank you for the gift of hearing and the truth that you speak. God, I pray that as we consider the words of your scripture, that you would sharpen our minds and soften our hearts, that we might know you and love you. We pray this in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So just like creation began with the voice of God, so too does Jesus' ministry begin with the voice of God. In Matthew chapter 3, Jesus comes to be baptized by John, and in verse 16 it says, when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were open to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, the Beloved, with whom I am well pleased. So, before Jesus speaks a word in his ministry, he listens To the voice of his Father. The rest of his ministry flows out of this baptismal declaration, this proclamation of his identity, the beloved Son of God. Before Jesus does anything else, he roots himself in not just hearing, but listening to the Word of God, to the voice of his Father. And we see this put to action in the very next chapter. After his baptism, Jesus is led out into the wilderness where he is tempted by the devil. And the devil speaks and questions the voice of God. And in Matthew chapter 4, verse 3, it says, "...the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread." And how does Jesus respond? Well, he answers. It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, Jesus counters the false voice of the tempter with the true voice of God. Two more times the devil speaks to him, and two more times Jesus responds With the Word of God. Jesus began by listening to God and he remained rooted in the voice of his Father. And this is the place that he begins to speak from as he enters into his ministry. So the gospel begins with the Father speaking and Jesus listening. And then after his time in the wilderness, Jesus begins speaking. Down in chapter 4, verse 17, it says, From that time, Jesus began to proclaim, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. He then goes on right after that to call his first disciples to follow him. And in chapters 5, 6, and 7, he preaches what is known as the Sermon on the Mount. Throughout this sermon, he speaks much about listening, right? Throughout chapter 5, he calls on people to listen more deeply by saying again and again, you have heard that it was said, but I say to you, You you've heard that it was said, but what I say to you is, right? In other words, you have heard, but you haven't listened. You heard the law, but you haven't really listened to it. You may follow its letter, but you have missed its heart. You may have heard the words, but you have not listened to the voice that spoke them. So he calls people to really listen to God. You have heard that it was said, but what I say to you is... And then he goes on in chapter six, and he tells them also that that God also listens, right? In verse five of chapter six, he says, whenever you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, so they may be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward." But whenever you pray, go into your room, shut the door, and pray to your Father, who is in secret. And your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you. See, God is not just a sovereign who speaks. He is a Father who listens. In verse 7, Jesus goes on to say, When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. So Jesus presses this even further. God does not only listen to their prayers. He is also a father who listens to their hearts. He knows what they need before a word has even been spoken. Just like the days of Exodus, God is a God who listens to his people. So Jesus calls the people to speak to God. And then he teaches them what we know as the Lord's Prayer, which we pray together every week. So this Sermon on the Mount In this sermon, Jesus calls the people to really listen to God who speaks. But he also calls them to speak to the God who listens. And at the end of the sermon, in chapter 7, verse 28, it says, "...when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were astounded at his teaching." For he taught them as one having authority, not as their scribes. You see, when they heard Jesus speak, they were amazed because he spoke with authority. Jesus spoke with authority. The reason Jesus could speak for God is because he had started by listening to God. Jesus listened to the Father before his ministry. So now he can speak for the Father in his ministry. But Jesus does not only listen to God and speak for God. He also listens, really listens to others. We see this in the very next chapter. So let's keep on moving. Matthew chapter 8 in verse 5. We read, When Jesus entered Capernaum, a centurion came to him, appealing to him and saying, Lord, my servant is lying at home paralyzed in terrible distress. And Jesus said to him, I will come and cure him. The centurion answered, Lord, I am not worthy to have you come under my roof, but only speak the word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority with soldiers under me. And I say to one, go, and he goes. And to another, come, and he comes. And to my slave, do this, and the slave does it. When Jesus heard him, he was amazed. And he said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, no one in Israel and no one in Israel have I found such faith. And then look down in verse 13, and to the centurion, Jesus said, Go, let it be done for you according to your faith. And the servant was healed in that very hour. So here we have a story of the power that Jesus has to speak. The centurion says, only speak the word and my servant will be healed. And that's exactly what happened. But we also, in this story, see the way that Jesus listens. In verse 10, it says, When Jesus heard him, he was amazed. And he said to those who followed him, Truly I tell you, in no one in Israel have I found such faith. You see, Jesus did not only hear the words of the centurion, he really listened to him. And so he did not only hear his request for help, but also his heart of faith. Jesus listens beyond words into the very hearts of those who speak to him. Now, this is true of the faith of the centurion, but it is also true of the lack of faith of the Pharisees and the scribes. So, flip on over to the next chapter. In chapter 9, we see another story of Jesus' incredible ability to listen beyond spoken words and into the heart's intentions. So, chapter 9, beginning in verse 2. And just then, some people were carrying a paralyzed man lying on a bed. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. And then some of the scribes said to themselves, This man is blaspheming. But Jesus, perceiving their thoughts, said, Why do you think evil in your hearts for which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say, stand up and walk. But so that you may know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He then said to the paralytic, stand up, take your bed and go to your home. And he stood up and went to his home. So once again, Jesus speaks with power and authority as he forgives this man's sins and heals his body. But Jesus also listens to hearts In verse four, he perceived their thoughts and said, why do you think evil in your hearts? So when we come to God in prayer, he listens to our words, but he also knows the intentions of our hearts, both the good and the bad. Now, my hope would be that Jesus would respond to my heart like he did the centurion, amazed at such faith. But I know that there are times when he hears my heart and he asks, why? Do you think such evil? Thank God that he is the one with the authority to forgive sins. And not only the authority to forgive, but the desire to forgive. Thank God. So so may we come to God in prayer and lay it all out before him. Speaking with faith, but also confessing our evil. And in that place, may we receive the forgiveness that Jesus offers and be transformed by it. He hears our words and He knows our hearts and He offers forgiveness. So far, we have seen that Jesus began his ministry by listening to God. And then he went on to speak for God in power and authority. And he, as he ministered to people, he also listened to them deeply beyond their words and into their hearts. This is all the things that we have seen just in the first several chapters of Matthew, right? But there is one more exchange, of speaking and listening that I want to point to before we come to a close. And it comes at the end. So flip over to Matthew 27. You see, the evil in the hearts of the Pharisees and the scribes persisted. So they continued plotting against Jesus. They bribed Judas to betray him. They convinced Pilate to crucify him. And so in Matthew 27, Jesus is hanging on the cross. And in verse 46, it says that Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lima sabachthani, That is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And then in verse 50, it says, Then Jesus cried out with a loud voice, and he breathed his last. Now, a lot of ink has been spilled over what exactly is going on in this moment on the cross. And I'm not going to try to sort all of that out right now. But the question that I want to ask is this, did God hear these words? Did God listen to this cry of Jesus from the cross? You see, these words that Jesus spoke from the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Come from the very first line of Psalm 22. And it is an incredible psalm, worth reading the whole thing, if you have a chance. It's an incredible psalm. In verse 7 of Psalm 22, the psalmist speaks of how all who see me mock me. In verse 16, he says how his hands and his feet are in pain. In verse 18, he describes how his enemies divide his clothes and cast lots for them. All of this is stuff that you can read about in Matthew 27, right? This is exactly what Jesus experiences on the cross. No wonder he calls out this psalm, Psalm 22, but the psalm... Goes on. In verse 22 of Psalm 22, the psalmist says, I will tell of your name to my brothers and sisters. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. Stand in awe of him. All you offspring of Israel. For he did not despise or abhor the affliction of the afflicted. He did not hide his face from me, but heard when I cried to him. God heard when he cried to him. This is the psalm that Jesus quotes On the cross. So here's the question. Did God hear Jesus cry from the cross? Well, according to the rest of Psalm 22, the answer is yes. But if that isn't clear enough, we need only look to the very next chapter, Matthew 28 where we hear that, yes, resounding in the missing stone, in the empty tomb, and in the angel words, he is not here, he is risen. So the resurrection is a story about a God who listens to the cries of his children and responds. This is the story that we are drawn into as we are called to listen to the God who speaks and speak to the God who listens. So as we bring this to a close, here is my challenge for you this week. Here is the practice that I want you to try. All right, I want you to make use of your ears and your voice this week. And yes, I want you to spend some time listening to all the sounds around you, the music of the spheres. But in addition to that, you know, I often challenge you into daily scripture and prayer. But this week, I want you to try reading the Bible and praying to God out loud. Now, you might wonder, well, what should I read? And maybe you can read the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. If you read a chapter a day, you could get through it twice this week. Or you could divide each chapter into a couple pieces and read through it once this week in smaller chunks. Try listening to it out loud. If you're with your family, you can take turns reading it to each other. Or if you're on your own, you can read it out loud to yourself. Or you can try that Dwell audio Bible app that we still have access to, right? And then after you've listened to scripture out loud, take some time to pray out loud. Again, you might wonder, well, I don't know what to pray. Don't worry about that just start talking and say whatever comes to mind remember god doesn't hear you for all of your fancy words he listens to the depths of your heart so use your ears and use your voice this week listen to scripture out loud pray to god out loud I want you to try that every day this week. And I would love to hear how it goes for you. But truly, may we be a people who listen to the God who speaks. And speak to the God who listens. Not only to our words, but to the depths of our hearts. Amen.